Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Teeth Matter. I'm your host, Ellie Halabian, DDS, and in this week's episode, we're chatting with Dr. Trudy Ann Frazier. Dr. Trudy Ann is a pediatric dentist down in Atlanta, Georgia. She's been practicing 11 years now. She's built out CE courses, but more recently, she's developed a wellness retreat. The retreat is called the Rejuve Retreat, and it focuses on the physical, the mental and spiritual resilience that we dentists need in order to thrive in our careers and thrive in life. And so our conversation, it gets personal, it gets emotional, it's very vulnerable. So I hope by the end of this discussion, you find some companionship, you find some reassurance, and you find a little bit of inspiration. Let's get into it. Good morning, Dr. Trudy Ann Frazier. Thank you so much for joining us on the Teeth Matter podcast. Good morning, Dr. Ellie. How are you? I'm doing beautiful this morning. I'm happy to see you. You're all smiles. You just give such a good energy. We're ready to go now. Saturday morning, let's do this. Let's have this beautiful conversation. I We connected on Instagram because of the conversation of burnout. And I think that one of that's one of the reasons I started this podcast, because I needed an outlet to to vent and to connect with people who are feeling the same. And we're going to get into all of that in a little bit. But before we do, can you just share a little bit about you, where you are, where you did your training? How did you get from A to B? I, I know the audience would love to hear that. Sure, Dr. Ellie. So um, I was born in Negril, Jamaica. So I'm a beach baby, close to the beach. I love all things water. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I went to dental school at Meharry Medical College in Nashville, Tennessee. I went on to do a specialty training in pediatric dentistry at Montefiore Medical Center in the Bronx. So I went to New York. Very different. And after that, I moved back to Atlanta. So I grew up in Atlanta. So I moved back to Atlanta where I've been practicing for 10 plus years. Wow, that's incredible. You've jumped around quite a bit. You've lived in different places, gotten different experiences. And I'm very familiar with Montefiore. I mean, I'm from New York. I'm here in New York. And it's one of the bigger programs in the city. It's an incredible program. That's yeah, it's amazing. huge. It's huge. Oh, and college in Huntsville. I forgot to add that part. So I was in Alabama to Tennessee to New York, back to Atlanta. Wow. So cultural competency is my thing. <laughs> this would be another conversation we have, actually, because that's huge. That's a very good point. That's, an, that's very important. Um, thank you for sharing a little bit about you. I love that you're so diverse. Like you said, it's been around everywhere. Now you're at a point where you've been practicing for so, quite some time. You've specialized. You, now you're also creating courses. I know you have two courses. I want to specifically talk about the first one, which is burnout. And we're going to get into the details of the course in a little bit. But in order to have a course on burnout, you must experience burnout. So when did you realize that what you were going through is burnout? At what point in your career did you notice it? And what were your signs or symptoms, let's call it? Yeah. So one, thank you for asking. But before I talk about that, you know what I actually want to Say, Ellie, I want to commend you for finding an outlet. I heard that in your voice um, because I told you I've been practicing. In, in May, it's going to be 11 years. 
Um, and I remember two years in, um, after finishing pedo, I, that's actually a lie. My first year into residency, I started having neck, back and shoulder pain. I couldn't raise my hand. I couldn't turn my head to the right. And I remember talking to other dentists like, do you guys have pain? And they're like, yeah, but it goes away. I just do this stretch and it goes away and I'm good. And I was overwhelmed and frustrated. So herein lies the start of my physical, mental, and I'll even say even spiritual and emotional pain. Um, and I'll talk about that framework later. But here I was reaching out and everybody was like, no, you're alone. So not only was I in physical pain, now I'm mental pain because I'm frustrated. So I wanted to stop and commend you for saying, you know what? I'm feeling this. Let me find an outlet. Let me see how I can get help. And I love that. So I needed to commend you on that because I've been on this journey and I just talked to people and I was even more isolated. Another thing, I don't think you have to necessarily experience burnout to create a course or to start your journey. I think you have to see the importance and the necessity in helping yourself and helping others if you're experiencing it, but at least helping somebody else. Because I know people who talk about burnout that didn't necessarily experience it themselves, but they see the importance and they see how it manifests in the lives of the others. So I, I love that you are starting somewhere. Um, so I said two years and I was in all this pain. Um, I'll never forget when I was driving down the road and I literally had to shift my whole body to the right to look out at the side mirror. Yeah. And, and that's when I really started to sit with it and say, something is wrong. Like this, this can't be normal. Um, so I started going to the, I think I started with my physical therapist and I started talking with her. We started talking about my body imbalances. Um, I had knee surgery in high school. Okay. And so my right hip started to have pain and my left hip started to get loose. So it started there. Mm -hmm. And from physical therapy, I then started going to the chiropractor. And then I started with my personal trainer. So one thing kind of led to another, which led to another. But for me, uh, Dr. Ellie, it started with the physical manifestation of my mental pain. Mm -hmm. I I think dentistry attracts a certain personality types. We work in one millimeter increments. I think we have been either classically conditioned through our training or we come into the profession with some perfectionist complexes. One When one millimeter's off, it's like, go back and do it again. Throw the whole thing out. That isn't normal. Right. <laughs> It's not. You don't know when to stop. Exactly. So I do believe that there is a time and a place for it. And by all means, please do the best that you can in a patient's mouth and have the best possible bedside manner and do well in school so that you know the uh, oral and mental manifestations. You, you know what I mean? Like be a good student. But that perfectionism context, complex that I came into dentistry with that I further continued in school, translated into me being a perfectionist in life. And as you know now, you can't control your staff. You can't control the patient show up on time. You can't control the patient. And I work with kids. <laughs> you definitely can't control them. They can't control themselves. <laughs> yeah. So I, Ellie, I've learned that uh, a part of my physical burnout was also my mental stressors. 
that manifested itself in my shoulder, my neck, my back, and my hip pain. So then I started going to therapy. Um, I will admit, if I'm completely vulnerable and honest with you, I was in a toxic work environment and I was in a toxic marriage. And once uh, both of those things ended, I hit rock bottom. I, I would say laying down, I had nowhere to look but up. And thankfully, I started to vet different therapists. And I would love to stop there. Like therapy has saved my life. I, and I don't, I think there's a common misconception that your first therapist is your last. A therapist is a paid best friend. Friendships go through seasons. Sometimes you are not clicking. So I went through four therapists. I started with psychology today. I looked at therapy for black girls. I looked at, there were a couple other sites that I looked at to find different therapists and I started to vet them. And I worked with one for two sessions. And I said, you know what? This is not clicking. And then finally, I had my therapist. I've had her for about two and a half years now. I absolutely love her. And she pushes me. She puts that mirror up that I need. And she pushes me. And she reflects things back to me to help me to grow and learn and unlearn some of these perfectionism complexes that I have. Absolutely. I think you bring up a great point when it comes to therapy. Therapy, when I was growing up, was very taboo. My parents didn't really encourage it they thought if you have mm-hmm. therapy you, you have some kind of problem right and then you know as we grow into this new era and everyone's a little bit more expressive a little everyone's a little bit more adventurous therapy becomes a little bit more normal or becomes a new norm except in dentistry because when i talk to my friends about therapy they're like yeah but if you get a therapist doesn't that mean that you have some kind of ailment there's an ailment doesn't that mean that you know malpractice is going to find out or your insurance they were concerned that if they took that route that they were going to pay or suffer in a different way down down the line right that's a i've never heard that perspective but ellie thank you so much for bringing that up because i actually have a counteracting argument to that so my husband's a lawyer (laughs) (laughs) i have a counteracting argument um if you are suffering in silence and you don't get a therapist and you don't learn how to fill your own cup, your career will end mm-hmm. no matter what that end looks like. Because what I've learned over the past 10 years, Ellie, is if I don't fill my own cup and I don't pour into Trudy mm-hmm. and I don't, I put myself last on that priority list, eventually I start to break down. And that breakdown manifests myself, itself in my home life. Mm-hmm. It manifests itself in my personal life with my friends mm-hmm. and manifests itself at work. I'm more um, impatient with the staff. I'm impatient with the kids. I'm impatient with the parents. Because what people, some people don't recognize, some people know it. In pediatric dentistry, you have two patients, the parent and the child. So imagine that frustration born out there. So I actually have the opposite. So that's a common misconception, I would even say, that um, malpractice will find out or your malpractice insurance will go up. And the COVID was horrible, but I think what COVID did was it unveiled and unmasked some of the things that we were going through. And I actually think if anybody has any sense, they would say, you know what? I think you need to talk to somebody. You don't have to have a quote-unquote mental illness in order to talk to somebody. I think a therapist is a paid best friend that you need, that you want to get before you need one. 
You want to have somebody that you can talk to that's trained and unbiased so that if in fact something does drastically happen in your life, then you already have that. You don't have to go through that vetting process when crisis occurs. Or, I mean, honestly, Ellie, so many of us go through so much childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. It's somebody that really helps you to unpack those things so that you can learn and grow and be a better version of yourself, which if you're not learning and not growing, you know you're incredible that's exactly right i mean i went through four therapists actually myself before i found someone who understood me kind of understood my family background and and it made it easier for me to discuss those childhood traumas and how they affected my adult life and my adult relationships and how it also affected me in terms of creating boundaries and that those boundaries also led to like professional boundaries and it's all interconnected I, and I it's yeah. funny because I didn't realize this earlier I realize it now and I'm like wow okay I feel more empowered I feel stronger I feel yeah. um a lot more let's say self-aware yeah. and 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 more aware of these relationships and how my actions or my words affect those around me and I take their their feelings I mean I always take other people's feeling into perspective but now I realize yeah. why they react the way they react yeah like you said, it affected me. It affected my relationship and what I was going through. And it didn't end well, obviously, but I've had a lot of growth since then. And I think therapy is not necessarily a sign that you are doing poorly, but an opportunity for growth. Um, I love what you said. You said boundaries. Uh, I had a conversation with a dentist I graduated last year. Uh, was it two nights ago? And she said, I have an issue saying no. When they try to add, like somebody will show up, they'll say, I, I drove an hour away. I know you're closed. I know everybody's walking out, but can you see me? And she said, I had such a hard time saying no that everybody had to unpack. And I actually saw that patient. I said, well, was the patient in pain? She said, no, I just felt bad. Here in line, the conversation about boundaries. So when you don't set boundaries for yourself and for the immediate people in your circle, it's not a practice that you have. Um, I have a theory that you show up as a dentist, as who you are in your person. Like it's hard to turn. I mean, some people may have it. I don't. I don't really have an on and off switch. Of course, I may show up more professionally, but the things that I struggle with in my personal life um, before I, I too struggled with boundaries, uh, setting boundaries, healthy boundaries at work. At work, I showed up. Oh, Doc, can I do this? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I don't want you to feel bad. I, that's how I showed up. So who you are, that's how you show up as doctors. So Trudy Ann shows up as Dr. Trudy Ann at work. But you can't really turn it on and off. So I, I love that. So advocate for your friends. Keep Don't give up on them. That's what we're trying to do. We're going to try to encourage people to to find help and to grow and, and not to want to resent people, essentially. You've talked about, you know, physical therapy, chiropractor, then you talked about therapy. You've mentioned spiritual um, aspect of mental resilience. What is spiritual? What does that mean to you? I, I appreciate that question. Um, so I, what I should have said was a part of my coaching program and my retreat, we get together and we work on our PMS, our physical mental and spiritual wellness. I should have bled with that. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, spiritual is spiritual. And I, I put spiritual slash emotional wellness there because I believe that when you're more emotionally intelligent and you're more emotionally aware of yourself, when you can identify 
how you feel and what that emotion is and how it is affecting you, you can show up differently. Once again, for yourself first, because it may sound selfish, but if I am not well, I can't show up as the best version of myself. So a lot of times I would have gotten emotionally triggered by things people said or the fact that maybe this person or this parent didn't accept my treatment plan or I can't get this kid to stay still. Is there something wrong with me? So one, setting healthy boundaries, but two, identifying that negative self-talk, identifying what these emotions are allowed me to help fix them and then bring it to my therapist too and say, hey, this is the situation. This is how I reacted. Why did I react that way? And how can you help me unpack it so I can handle it better next? Uh, the other aspect is uh, the spiritual. That's the emotional, the spiritual aspect. So I, by all means, respect uh, people's spiritual beliefs, but I do believe in God. And I think my spiritual foundation is what a part of it that helps me get through trials because everybody's either going through a situation, a trial, have just gone through it or are about to go through it. And I believe that through my spiritual walk, things happen for me. They happen for me to grow. They happen, they show up. And I say to myself, what is this here to teach me? Why was this allowed? Why did God allow this? And then I lean into that discomfort. Now, don't get me wrong, Ellie, I don't have it all figured out. I do cry. I do get mad. I do get frustrated. But after that initial identification of that emotion, that's when the real work begins because I can lean in and receive it and say, okay, how can this take off another layer to make me more, I guess, more better, more, more better, to make me better, <laughs> to show up better. Right. Um, so that spiritual foundation helps to shift my perspective. And I'm not saying that you need that in order to do that, but it helps me. That's a part of my belief and a part of my journey. So whatever people believe in, I think that's a part of their foundation to help them to grow. So you mentioned PMS, physical, mental, and spiritual. These are the foundations of your burnout avoidance retreat. Can you tell us about the retreat, what it, what it entails, what your mission is? So I love that. That is my wellness RX. My prescription for wellness is work on your PMS. And guys can get PMS too. Your physical, mental, and spiritual wellness. Um, I started uh, speaking on stages about PMS. And the more I spoke is the more afterwards people would come and talk to me and say, how can you help me? These are things that I too identify with. So then I started my coaching program. And that led to me having retreats. So I told you I was from Jamaica. So the next retreat is actually in Jamaica in March. Uh, right now, it is for women only. I know I've had a couple of guys go, what about us? I think eventually I will open it up to guys. Um, but uh, we get together and we talk about those three pillars and we work on our PMS together. So the next retreat, we're actually going to have a yoga instructor come in. And he's actually Jamaica. And he's going to come in and work on those positions and those stretches, teach us things, actionable items that we can take home. Um, Ellie, I believe that it's not the big drastic changes that make a difference. I think it's small, consistent, incremental changes that we can do each and every day. And if not every day, at least once or twice a week that eventually grow and morphs into something better, but it's a small change. So even if you learn to be more aware of your physical body, 
your physical position at work and you're not twisting and grabbing and reaching all day. And then when you get home, you're like, Ugh, I feel pain in my left hip if you're right-handed. The awareness, the body awareness that you gain from doing something like yoga, learning what muscle groups do what that work in sync so that you're not doing this and walking around like Shrek. I've been there. So the physical aspect uh, with the yoga, um, I also believe in massage, but not just any massage. I believe in myofascial releases. So those trigger points that we feel, those big knots and bumps, a myofascial therapist actually understands how the bones and the muscles connect and where those trigger points are, especially when we're like this all day long. They know how to release those, those um, tension points so that you have a longer lasting massage and you get more relief from that. So I get a massage every three weeks. That is how, that is not, oh, you're going to the spa, you're getting your nails done. That is how I continue to show up and work full time. Okay, the mental part, journaling. We do all these different mental exercises to unlearn and unpack uh, the things that, that, that bother us, those things that are pent up that we don't even realize how we see the world is affect, affecting our mental mindset, okay? And then spiritual, um, I believe in gratitude, gratitude journaling. I believe that if we shift our perspective, we are able to face the challenges of life differently. So just seeing the glass, it's, let's talk about this glass. Okay, I've drank it all, so imagine if the glass is here. <laughs> but this glass is half empty, but it's also half full. So changing our perspective teach, teaches us to be more grateful and it uh, gives us more peace. And I think that's all we really need, Ellie. Um, what I didn't share earlier was when I was going through my burnout, I had already finished peds. I'd been practicing for about three years. And I said, oh, this is just too much. I'm overwhelmed. Let me just go and apply to go and be an orthodontist. I thought I needed another specialty. Honestly, Dr. Ellie, it's not more credentials that I needed. I was searching for inner peace and life's fulfillment. And now that I'm unlearning some of those things that I learned before, I now have learned that all these different increments, the P, the M, the S, all it does is it pours into my cup every day. And at the end of the day, I am now not depleted and I still have more to pour. I, I got married uh, three months ago and I, I never forget. Like there are times my husband goes, honey, you've given me your last. But if I fill myself, if I fill my cup with this strategy, I show up better for myself first. And then I can show up for everybody else, including that husband that I wanted to marry. <laughs> so we were talking about um, the burnout. And I told you, like, I, I like dentistry. I like the people aspect of dentistry. I like showing up and motivating, especially my teenage girls. Oh, my goodness. I like doing that. I like pouring into them, making sure that they know that they are worthy and that they're enough. But it, it's not my first love. Like, my first love is people and empowerment. And I found an outlet with my retreats and my speaking. But tell me more about what you were saying about you, Elle. I, I started off as a young kid who loved science and medicine and surgeries. And that was really what catapulted me into healthcare. And eventually that fell into dentistry. 
And I thought dentistry, that's what it is. That's what's going to make me happy. That's where I'm going to serve people. And I do love serving people and I do love um, taking care of people and connecting with people. But I don't necessarily love the dentistry aspect. I don't necessarily love the the drill and fill or the crowns or the endo. That just causes me more stress. No matter how many times you do it, yeah, it might get easier. But there's also like challenges with each patient or challenges with each case. And and it's no there's no easy case in dentistry. Like not, not, you never get a patient who sits in the chair and then is super peaceful and leaves smiling. It never really works out like that. That's like a one in a million. Hey, Ellie, I have, I've had that patient. You want to know what it was? Mm-hmm. The type of that from dental school. <laughs> <laughs> the one who doesn't say anything, the one who loves it. The, the, it really, really rarely happens. So every time a patient ch- sits in the chair, you're bound to end up with a problem or you're bound to feel like you created a problem because you're putting this patient through discomfort, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Am I happier about my skill set? Sure, I'm honing in on my skills and I'm getting a little bit better. And that success or that victory feels nice in the moment. Yeah. But do I necessarily love dentistry? I don't know. Am I, did I do the wrong thing by coming into dental school? I I think about it like half a million dollars in debt. People who are my age, they went straight to work. It took me so long to get to this point. And I'm like so far behind everyone else. I just, I don't know if it was the what I needed to do to serve people. Like, it didn't have to be through health. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That is very honest. And Ellie, there are more people out there that feel the way you feel. Um, I think what helps me, I've been there, and I'll be frank with you, especially in my hard days, when I have a, look, and Peter, I'd be lying if I didn't say some of the patients don't scream. <laughs> like, they scream with a toothbrush. <laughs> Get yeah. away from me, but I can't see. I don't want to do this. So they just scream. Yeah. <laughs> there are days where I come home and I'm like, my goodness, Lord, help me. But there, in the practice that I work now, I have more good days than bad days. Mm-hmm. So I try to lean into the good days and lean into gratitude. But what I'm doing, Ellie, and I admonish anybody that feels the way we do, because I can, I can relate to what you're feeling, is to find something that fulfills you. Now, whether that thing's that thing that fulfills you is within dentistry or outside of dentistry, fine. But find that harmonious, and I hate the word balance because there's that's fake. Mm-hmm. Find some harmony in that. And if my ultimate goal is to practice dentistry part time, if I can get out of it fully, if that is the path that will ultimately happen, great. If not, if it's a part time thing, even better. Right. You know, um, Laura Brenner has a group it's a facebook group and she has a coaching program called uh, dental side gigs and you can find her on instagram or on facebook um but it's side gigs and she has honed a skill she's not practicing dentistry anymore hmm. it coaches people full-time and there are many dentists in that group that have found that they want a better balance and some of them do practice full-time some of them practice part-time, but they have found outlets. It's, it's really an outlet. Like, what gives me joy? What gives me fulfillment? Because Ellie, at 36, I know I look a lot younger, but at 36, what I do know to be true is that anything that our hand finds to do, it's going to be hard. We just have to choose our hard. So if it's dentistry full-time, it's going to be hard. If it's dentistry part-time and something else part-time, 
that's going to be hard. And the dentistry is going to be hard. But what, what, and where do you find your purpose? Where do you find your fulfillment? And how can you have some kind of harmonious way where you can juggle the two things or decide, you know, I'm going to drop this completely and just have this one ball in my hand. So it's really, it's, it's really a journey, but no matter what you do, you have to choose your heart because it's going to be hard. Nothing is going to come, nothing in life that's worth attaining. It's going to be easy. It's going to be a challenge. That right there, you saying that makes me think like, it's, it's funny because every, you're right. Everything in life is hard. Everything worth attaining is hard, right? Mm-hmm. And we as dentists have been in school for so long and then you you're constantly pushing through and that for me was hard that for you was hard like we were in the hard and i think we did the hard to like come out of it happy and to come out of it like successful and at peace and like finally attain what that goal but then you come out and you're like but life is hard and now you have the realities of life and it's not you're no longer a student. You have responsibilities, not just yeah. your life responsibilities, but your you you in your hand lies the health of others. So yeah. that holds a heavy weight. And I think yeah. that was a realization that I had recently was that maybe it's not so much that dentistry is the hard part, but mm-hmm. I just got out of school and was shocked by the hardness of life. Yeah. Where is the break? It's funny because I'm reading a book called The Feel Good Effect. Mm. And it made me think literally an hour ago. And it made me think about a principle and a mantra that I had in school. And it relates to exactly what you just said. In school, I told myself every single day, do what you got to do so you can do what you want to do. Do what you got to do until you can do what you want to do. And I got through it. I got through residency, you know, on that same mantra. And this morning I was reading the book and something that she said <laughs> made me think, oh my gosh, it never ends. How do I find peace in the midst of the storm? I can't, and the storm is not going to end, Ellie. But how do I find an anchor? How do I find peace so I'm not overtaken by this storm? And then you make choices. You make shifts. You... It's 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 never an ending moment. That whole do what you got to do until you can do what you want to do. What you got to do is different in different seasons. And then what you want to do is different in different seasons. And I literally had an epiphany this morning that maybe it was school so I can do the dentistry. And now it's the dentistry so I can do the wellness. And maybe at one point in my life, at a different season in my life, it'll be the wellness so I can do something else, so I can travel, so I can stay home with kids. I don't know. Whatever it is. Showing up for myself, going right back to that self-care, not being selfish, but being self-full and filling myself so that I can maintain this anchor so that I don't lose it while I'm trying to show up and do what I got to. Whether you're a mom, whether you're a dentist, whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, we all have life responsibilities. We all have life storms. It's something that we have to do. But what is it that can give you that outlet? What is it that can give you that peace? I think I talked about, I thought my peace was orthodontics. I literally, I literally applied and we're going through interviews. I got five um, interviews and I went to all of them. 
And when it was all said and done, I didn't match. And I knew it was for a reason. I was like, it's because it's not more letters behind my name. It's It was another certificate. It was another training that I needed. It was inner peace. Did you feel relief when you didn't match? Ooh, my therapist hasn't asked me that question yet. Um, no, I felt shame. I felt guilt. Um, I felt like this was the first time in my life that I didn't excel academically. Um, just to be transparent, I graduated number one in my class. Like, I can do school. That's my thing, which is why I defaulted. I was like, well, life is not going well. What I got to do right now isn't going well. How do I find peace? What do I do next? And I thought it was school. So when it didn't work out, I was devastated. But as the years and the time has passed, I think the further away from the disappointing event, like with anything in life, the further away you are removed, you start leaning into the discomfort and you start realizing, hey, that was here to teach me something. That was there to teach me that it was a school that I needed. It was rest and peace and wellness. (laughs) I hope. Mm -hmm. Funny you said that. What came to my mind was control. The fact that you didn't have control over your life in that moment, you want to control over school. That was the only aspect that you knew how to do. I didn't think about that. It's true. I felt like I was losing control. And I my default was, well, what is it that I know how to control? And the whole thing came full circle. And when I didn't match, here I was again feeling empty. That way I can't control. Because Ellie, we can the only thing that we could control is us. We can control how other people react. We can't control if we match. We can't control anything. But we can control how we react to it, how we respond, and what perspective we take, and how we choose to see the things and the people, and how we choose to play that the cards that we're dealt. Choosing is an act of effort. Choosing to see things in a certain way is an act of effort. Because I'll tell you, and people don't know this, the audience doesn't know this, I've, I've talked a little bit about it, but not in full detail. I finished undergrad and I went to school in Canada. Canada. But I'm originally from the U.S. So when I applied to the U.S. system for dental school, they didn't accept my credits because there was like a, there was a different grading scheme for a portion of my studies. So I didn't get accepted and I got rejected the first round. I did some post-bac courses. Then I applied again a second round. I got it rejected again. So then my ego got shot because I had always been good at school. I went to an amazing school. I have always been strong academically and not to get accepted into school. I felt very embarrassed by it. Not embarrassed, even more so because I got rejected twice. What did I do? I was like, the only thing I can do is get a job and maybe do a master's. And what did I do my master's in? I did my master's in management and IT and focus on strategy and leadership because I thought at one point in life, I'm going to want to work in a practice. I might want to own my own practice and I need to learn how to communicate with people and manage an office and manage my finances in life. So that's what I did. So then I did my master's and I was working and then I applied for a third time. Finally, that third time is when I got into dental school. And dental school, obviously went through dental school, finally got to the end of dental school. It's time to do match. I applied for pedo. I didn't get pedo. So then that was another challenge, right? So 
and it's like constantly like Ellie, you you work so hard, you hit a wall, you broke through that wall, you hit another wall, and it was like constant pressure, and so and constant struggle and the con this constant like rejection that I didn't know how to handle, and at the time, it was like the world ended for me, and I had to do a post match, but I ended up doing a post match in GPR. And that was fine. And so I kind of deviated from my dream of pedo, which now is fine for me because I'm very comfortable where I am. But all, I'm saying all of this is that every chapter of your life may not go to plan. But what I realized in life is that all of these struggles layer, right? They layer and they teach you more so of what things you don't like or don't want to do or don't want to get involved in. You learn more about what you don't like than what you do like. And so it kind of narrows the the path for you. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh. I started taking notes because I feel like I, this was my podcast and I was interviewing you. I love that, Ellie. And I think your audience is going to appreciate you sharing that. And let me tell you why. Um, going through my divorce made me more relatable to the young girls that I mentor. It has made me more relatable to my patients, especially the moms that come in that are broken, um, that are newly divorced or has been, and if that comes up and I share that human part of myself, it's almost like this veil is dropped and they're like, wait, you're just like me. How can you help me now? And then of course I'm able to, you know, it just humanizes us. But not just that, Ellie, it makes us more human. It makes us realize that we are not perfect, but in the midst of that per- that not perfection, if that's a word, in the midst of that, that trial, that tribulation, we realize and we learn that we are enough just the way we are. We are unique. Our circumstances make us unique. That experience that you had, you know, I shared my not matching and it allowed you, you said, this is the space space. I can share mine. And somebody that's listening, that's like, oh my gosh, like this is teaching me mental resilience, which goes way further than being a dentist. That's called being a human. But there's life, lives, and things happen. So it's what you do with how things show up and how you handle rejection. It makes you so, when you don't become bitter, from those life experiences, from breakups, from the from disappointments in life, not matching. When you become bitter and you work on yourself, I'm sure during that experience, anybody who want, has that drive, you start doing self-care stuff. You start trying to do self things to actualize yourself. You start going to therapy. It makes you better. Those disappointments are here to sift us and like, I think gold, when it's trying to be, the more pure the gold is, the more pressure it undergoes. And the more pressure we undergo, we become more cleansed and more resilient and more radiant. <laughs> As I lean into the sunshine, <laughs> we become better. And not just that, we become more human. We become more vulnerable and more humble. At least this is, this is my take on it. That's what it's supposed to do. Does it always? No. But when you take the right side and you say, what is this here to teach me? And you start shining, girlfriend, you look better because your inside is better. And the outward appearance is a reflection of the work that you've done inside. So lean into that. But I do want to challenge you, Ellie. 
you didn't you didn't get into dental school for a reason. You didn't match for a reason. Like you're I think this podcast may be a manifestation of some of those things. I do, like internally. But what I was gonna say is maybe you can use some of those skills that you got in your masters to to, I don't know, bless somebody now, to help somebody now, those those leadership skills and like maybe it's for a bigger audience. Maybe it's bigger than you. You can use those skills to help somebody else. Maybe. Maybe this is where this is heading. I don't know. But yeah, this has been a very windy road and it hasn't been a straight road. Like most kids in dental school who go from undergrad to dental school, it's a little bit more linear. This has definitely yeah. not been linear. This has been a zigzag. Yeah. It's been very up and down. And I'm very grateful for it because in the process, I've learned so much i've challenged myself academically professionally personally um it take gave me the opportunity to grow as an individual and obviously there's been some time in between you know since graduating undergrad but now i'm at a place where even if i didn't match for pedo i did this gpr program that was incredible i made some of the best friends i learned so much and i wouldn't take it back you know, that. Yeah, I would take it back. So, so I'm in a different place now. It's not where I expect it to be. Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a place. I didn't move ahead. I, I didn't move along, and I'm in this place mm-hmm. now where, all right, I've, I've accomplished so much, and, and now I'm trying to figure out what is the next step. What's next? What's next? Um, your story is unique, and my story is unique. And it's almost human to try to compare and say, oh, somebody else's story was linear. But I guarantee you, everybody has gone through their own trial and their own journey. And if it's not with school, it's with family. If it's not with family, it's with relationship. Like we all have trials and different circumstances that come to grow us and to lift us and to make us uh, better. So that may have been your trial and it's easy. And I'm not saying you're, you're doing this, but I almost feel like it's human because I know I'm guilty of it right. to even for a sh- brief moment to be like, dang, like they have it so easy. Yeah. But what you don't know is that person's story until they open up and say, oh, I'm adopted or, oh, I don't know who this person is or, oh, my marriage is failing. Like we're all going through something. Right. So the, the it's human to want to compare. But everybody has their own story and you being vulnerable and opening up is going to free them. And even if they don't share it on a public platform like you and I are, like it'll make them sit back and look in the mirror and be like, I'm not alone. No, I I made a mistake. You're absolutely right. Everyone's going through their own thing and I didn't mean to pass judgment on anyone else. Our conversation took a bit of a detour, but... You've said so many beautiful things, and I want to talk about each one of those. It just each one is going to lead down a different conversation. But <laughs> the, the showing up for yourself is not a selfish thing. It's not. I want to say to invest in yourself doesn't mean that you're selfish. A lot of people think yeah. that you're taking time to put it pour into yourself. That means you're taking time yeah. away from them. But no, like you said, you better yourself so you could be a better person for your partner, for your friend, for your family member, for your patient, and so on and so forth. That's the one thing. The second thing that you said that kind of made me think uh, about this question is you said that women tend to come to your to your retreat 
Uh-huh. Do you think women have a different level of burnout than men? Or experience burnout differently than men? I literally had this conversation yesterday. I, I'm still unpacking that question because it is a thought that I have. I will say this. Women sometimes are very aware of categorizing everybody into one bucket. bucket. But sometimes as women, especially because we tend to be more emotional and we tend to, society gives us a pressure that we have to be everything for everyone. And especially if you have children, you feel the weight of mommy. Um, I have a girlfriend that her and her husband will be in the same room and her daughter will come to her mm. and she'll be like, your dad is right there. Like, <laughs> like he's equally responsible for you. He's equally responsible. And then her husband will be like, okay, honey, go do that. <laughs> so I think some women, some women mm-hmm. have the weight on their shoulders of multiple things and we feel stretched and we feel like we have to do this and we have to and some of it is societal pressures Mm -hmm. when you're a working woman or working mom or working caregiver I think we a lot of times have all these different buckets of water I guess I like water maybe I'm thirsty (laughs) we have buckets that we're juggling all at once and I think sometimes we feel guilty not giving everything a hundred percent um, I was in a blog the other day and I think this dentist had five or seven kids, one of the two, but it was more than three. And she was so kind to share with us because a mom said, how do you do it all? You own a practice and you're a mom of so many. And she said, if I'm honest with you, I've learned to give myself grace. When I show up well at the office, I show up hundred percent at the office, then I may consider myself a bad mom. And when I show up hundred percent at home, I may consider myself a bad doctor. Mm-hmm. So it's it's finding harmony. I don't believe in balance because I think we all have 100%. We all have 24 hours. We don't, we can't, ooh, Ellie, if you could figure out how to give us more time <laughs> in the day. <laughs> That's another but, question. Right. But I think it's, honestly, we just feel the weight differently. I think we're more emotional creatures <laughs> and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we feel gu- guilty like, that young lady I was talking to said, I feel guilty saying no. I feel like most guys that I know are like, no, I'm going home. Like what? <laughs> the car the car has already started. So I think as women, we process things differently. I think some of us tend to have that emotional connection. And without learning to set healthy boundaries, I think we want to be all things to all people, but we only have 100%. So I think it is a little different. Now, the course that you just mentioned, you go over all these three, you go over these three pillars. How much yeah. time, how long is this course? How much time do you get to spend with each other and, and build these new healthy habits? Yeah, so unfortunately, courses are between one hour to three hours. So I've done a wellness workshop, um, which was in a form of a course in St. Martin earlier this year. And it was great because I had four hours mm-hmm. and I actually got to go through the different positionings. And these doctors, I mean, we're in their 60s and 70s. And it was just great. They were like, young doc, I don't know how to do that. I can't, my hip doesn't do that anymore. You know, 
So it was great being able to like touch and help them and show them what ergonomic positions to put themselves in. And they're, they're still practicing. So it was great for them to have those actionable tools. So it depends. If I have four hours, we're able to dive deeper. And I tend to focus more on the physical because one, I'm well aware that I am not a licensed therapist. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people show up with a lot of trauma right. and I want to give them credit and to do, do excuse me, do justice. Mm-hmm. So I'll talk about where to find a therapist and I'm even um, willing and able to help my coaching clients got, find a therapist, but I am by not, no means that. So I tend to spend more time on the physical aspect because I, I know I know what to do. I, I got that. But most of the courses, like the one I did at the American Dental Association SmileCon over the mm-hmm. two weeks ago now, <laughs> that worked about an hour. So anywhere from one hour to um, or an hour and a half to as long as four hours. That that's an entire wellness retreat. That's like a half day retreat. I, I love that. That that is my jam. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. I know a lot of people would really find your wellness retreat helpful. Before I actually let you go, you also have another course on pediatrics and the five things that you wish your pediatric dentist had shared with you. Did yeah. some of your burnout generate or come from this misconception of pediatric dentistry and these five things that you bring up? Yes. Yes. Um, I I change it because who wants to do the same thing all the time? There, There's for sure, Dr. Ellie, more than five things that I can keep. So depending on my target audience, I share different things. But my opening, one of the, uh, the most consistent of the five things is giving yourself grace. I share a story about Picasso, and this is a little teaser, huh? (laughs) I I opened with a story um, with Picasso being in a market and an admirer coming and saying, oh my gosh, you're Picasso. Can you please draw something for me? And I wish I had the picture here. I didn't expect to tell the story. But about five minutes later, let's call it three, he sketches something. He sketches a bird on a um, paper. And he said, well, before I hand this to you, that will be 5 million francs. And she looked appalled and she said, how are you charging me 5 million francs for something that it took you three minutes to draw? And he said, that's a common misconception. It took me 10 years to perfect this skill in order to do it in three minutes. And it's the same thing with pediatric dentistry. We went through training, we went through years of work, and now I, I, I love my nitrous oxide. So now it may take me two minutes to take out this tooth with this gas that it may take a general dentist, you know, maybe an hour to co- coerce this child mm-hmm. to open. Let's open up. Let me just let, take a look. So I talk about giving yourself grace because the I don't, I don't want to say the perfection of the skill because it's not perfect. It's called the practice of dentistry on purpose. We are all still practicing. Mm-hmm. It's just that some of us have more practice. We've had more years and more experience and we've seen more patients than others. So what I make look easy, maybe more challenging to you, but give yourself grace and don't be afraid to ask for help. That's another one that I talk about because (laughs) (laughs) this is no attack against anyone, but there are times where you know you couldn't get x-rays on that patient. How in the world were you going to get a class two filling diamond? (laughs) Knowing when to stop and say, you know what, mom, there's a pediatric dentist down the street. I am going to refer. You can come here for cleanings if you'd like, or you can stay there, whichever one you choose. But I know 
that um, this patient will do so much better there. They have, we have different skills. We have different training and different skill sets that we could, we could do it, but we can't do it all, but we could do it. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's a great So if someone wanted to, you know, join you on your, on your wellness retreat or take one of your courses, where can they find you? Do you have a link? Do you have an Instagram that they can follow? Yes, absolutely. I have the cutest Instagram name. Look, let me toot my own horn. You do, actually. You you have a really cute Instagram name. I am Tiny Tooth, like your front tooth. Tiny Tooth Doc on Instagram. And my retreat website is Rejuve Retreats. And Rejuve is short for rejuvenation. Mm. Because Ellie, we all need to be rejuvenated from the stress of our daily lives. So Rejuve Retreats. Dot com And if you Google that and look up my name, Trudy Ann Fraser, and that's F-R-A-Z-E-R with no I, then it will come up. But honestly, Ellie, you can find me on Instagram. If somebody goes in my DM, I can answer. And um, I, I do speak. So some of my courses are at the major conferences. Um, hopefully I'll do like a full day, multiple um, doctor or multiple uh, clinician specialty workshop. I'm in Atlanta. In Atlanta, that the, the goal is to work up to like a multi, a doctoral collaborative, uh, full day retreat in Atlanta. That's that. the goal. That's an mm-hmm. idea. Mean, I <laughs> oh, I would love that. I've been dying to go to Atlanta. I have family in Atlanta. I've never seen them there. We always see them <laughs> in any other state but Georgia. And yeah. um, they have a great food scene in Atlanta. We have a great food scene in Atlanta. <laughs> you know where else has a great food scene? Jamaica. Oh, I'm <laughs> I mean, listen, I would love to go to Jamaica. I'm dying to go anywhere with beach, sun, heat. I'm all in. All in. When is the retreat exactly? Do you have the dates? Yes, absolutely. The next uh, wellness, Rejuve Wellness Retreat is March 7th through March 10th, okay. 2024. Beautiful. That's very soon. It is very soon. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you for you know creating that community. And thank you for sharing and being vulnerable with me today. I know you opened up a little bit about your past, your marriage, um, the, yeah. the different obstacles you've had. And um, and now you've come out on this other side. And it's so beautiful to help see you guide other dentists. It's incredible. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Chudian. Absolutely. Um, I, I'll share one last thing, uh, Dr. Ellie. I believe that my retreat and my talks are the beauty that I'm receiving from my ashes. Mm -hmm. And it's the purpose that has evolved from my pain. So this is bringing me purpose through the pain that I experienced, whether it was mental or physical or emotional. Um, And through my journey, I've just learned, you said something earlier, and I would like to end in it, that self-care is not selfish. It is self-full. Fill your own cup first so you're not depleted and that people will feed from your saucer, not from what's inside your cup. Okay. (laughs) I love that. Great point. Thank you for that. Again, thank you so much for your time. We'll definitely share this with the community. I'm sure they're going to love it. And everyone, follow Dr. Trudy Ann Frazier at Tiny Tooth Doc. Tiny Tooth Doc. Thank you so much, Dr. Ellie. Take care. You too.
If this episode resonated with you, then subscribe to our podcast, give us a rating. If you think a friend will enjoy it, then share it with them. Spread the love, spread the knowledge, join the community at Teeth Matter on Instagram, and we'll be here for you next week with a new episode. But until then, cheers.